Welcome back to the Veeries and Numerous podcast, a special double Friday feature featuring uh, two guests, um, Max Freeman, founder of Epic Cash, and uh, Colin Miles, head of marketing for Zillica. So let's get straight into the sponsors here. Today, showing off my new shirt from uh, Hodler Clothing. These guys are over in the UK. They ship worldwide, hodlerclothing.co. You can see the shirt I'm rocking right now. Uh, the Nakamoto jersey. Pretty sweet shirt, I think. Give them a, che- uh, give them a look over at hodlerclothing.co. Check them out on Twitter, hodler underscore clothing, just like it's spelled on the shirt. And uh, support the sponsors of this show. Uh, the other sponsors, straight into those guys. Special thanks to Thunder Games. Thunder Games creates games that integrate Bitcoin and process payments via the Lightning Network. They have numerous different games and run their own node. If, if you wish to connect, their public key is available over at Thunder, T-H-N-D-R dot games forward slash. And a, and, uh, a link to their telegrams also also over there. Thunder Games are making mobile games which enable players to win Bitcoin for free and Lightning Net- and use the Lightning Network to send prizes. Uh, pretty cool to see what they're doing over there. They're available in the Google Play Store and iOS. Check them out, thunder.games. The Bob Shop, the most diverse blockchain and crypto clothing store on the web. They have it all, privacy coins, Bitcoin, Ethereum, Bexy Exchange, Mimblewimble, hoodies, hats, shoes, tees, epic cash gear. Go over there to support the Bob Shop and get your cryptocurrency gear. BobCrypto.co. Zen Sports is a peer-to-peer decentralized application built on the Icon blockchain that enables players to set their own games, lines, and more using blockchain technology and cryptocurrencies. It's pretty sweet. You, get, you can get in there and uh, you match up with somebody else that's interested in another game, and that's how you set the action. Players can get in and out of games with fiat or crypto and enjoy gambling from the comfort of their own homes with smaller fees than decentralized legacy bookmakers or casinos. They also have their own token called the Sport Token. Visit zensports.com and check them out and make sure to gamble responsibly and ensure gambling uh, on their app is legal in your jurisdiction. Trios. Trios is an economy and ecosystem. Trios is a direct reference to decentralized money that will empower a new economy. In the the future, the term Trios will become synonymous with cryptocurrency and virtual financial assets, VFAs. Their payment methods, their ecosystem, and their general use as both a utility and a store of value. Today, however, Trios introduces itself incrementally using proof of concept stages and coordinated multi-directional implementations through the financial sector, both online and offline. Check out Trios.io. Charon Coins, you found the brick-and-mortar financial institution where you can safely trade dollars for Bitcoin, USD, to BTC. Over-the-counter OTC and peer-to-peer, person-to-person. They facilitate transactions of all sizes, including high-volume transactions. Their headquarters is located in Milwaukee, servicing the MKE areas of Lake Front, East Side, River West, and all of Wakaja County. More than being just an OTC location, they are here to educate you about Bitcoin, wallets, blockchain, cryptocurrency, security, and platforms. If you're in the Milwaukee area, you can also use their Bitcoin ATM with more locations soon to come. Visit charoncoins.com. That's C-H-A-R-O-N coins.com. 
Bitcoin SOV, Bitcoin Store of Value, is an emerging community-driven project that is a decentralized team the world over. It is a proof-of-work mineable ERC-20 that has a deflationary design with token burns to ensure your value is stored over time. Check out their site at bsov.io. Lucho Paletti, digital artist and self-described propagandist known for his iconic Bitcoin artworks, is available at Lucho Paletti, that's L-U-C-H-O-P-O-L-E-T-T-I.com, and that Andy Warhol came from Lucho that I love so much, Pittsburgh guy, Andy Warhol. Flashcoin, Flash is a reinvention of Litecoin built to scale for worldwide commerce and fast enough to handle everyday transactions. The flexible and easy to integrate core code allows exchanges and wallets to add Flash to their platform within hours. With settlement time of around five seconds and consensus within two minutes, anyone anywhere can use Flash mobile wallet as easily as cash or credit card. Visit flashcoin.io. And always remember to do your own research Briar.io is not responsible for any of your financial actions. Take no one else's word. Always invest in your human capital and your financial sovereignty. And please enjoy these two episodes. Back again, episode 22 of the Various and Numerous podcast, a Briar.io production. I'm your host, R.L. Briar. Today's guest is entrepreneur, early crypto adopter, and creator of Epic Cash, also a friend of mine, Mr. Max Freeman. How are you today, sir? Good to be here again. Thanks for having me, RL. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you and I talked, I think, I don't know, it's probably like 50 days ago now, time flies, um, about Epic and what's going on, but I wanted to get some more uh, uh, about what's going on now. Things happen quickly in crypto, uh, The what's going on with the economy and everything. So, uh you want to, let's just start with the economy. Um, what are your thoughts on what's going on with the economy? You, you and I have had, uh, shared a few dinners, so I know, I know what your thoughts are on uh, the overall macro idea of uh, central banks and stuff, but what do you want to share with people here and what's going on right now? Well, um, even though it's not yet apparent in inflation, um, I mean, we've seen mostly shrinkflation and reduction in um, actual effective um, availability of goods um, through uh, the, the pandemic mechanism working its way through. But I think for me, the most salient part about what's going on, regardless of what's happening with the actual economy, is what's going on with the money system. Uh, the so-called scamdemic or plandemic was seized on as a convenient excuse for the people who run our monetary system to print somewhere on the order of 20 or 30% more dollars than existed uh, back <laughs> the last time we talked. And of course, through the Cantillon effect, those who get those dollars faster go and spend them, bidding up stuff like asset prices and uh, ownership of equities and so on. So uh, we've all had a massive haircut of 20 or 30% in the matter of a couple months. And whether the federal debt, which just hit 26 trillion in the US, is going to be uh, 30 or 40 or 50 or even 100 trillion within the next year or two. And nobody can really predict because when the um, supplemental unemployment insurance payments of 600 bucks a week are supposed to run out next month um, and 42 million people suddenly lost their jobs and they can't pay for stuff. Um, I, I think all roads lead to massive inflation, if not hyperinflation. And regardless of the degree of inflation, it's clearly a lot higher than before. And so with our proven monetary policy based on Bitcoin, 
uh, what I think of as the Bitcoin standard tokenomics, um, it's massively bullish for Epic. And we've seen that even just since the last time we talked. Um, it's, it's kind of uh, amazing how little money it takes for a supply hard asset like Epic that's having its first halving in two weeks, which really hasn't gotten a lot of uh, widespread appreciation yet, how little uh, money it takes at the margin to, uh, to change the, the price in a positive way. So um, yeah, not, not a little less, ex less inexpensive than it was the last time we talked, but still at our market cap of uh, under a million bucks versus uh, the three other Mimblewimble coins at 20 million, 30 million and 100 million. Um, we think there's a lot of room to run um, from here and money printing only enhances that. Yeah, I think uh, it's the price was around a penny last time you and I talked and just today it was like six cents before we got on here up 130% for the last 30 days. So uh, it's definitely gaining some momentum here. And it's one of the best performers in the last few months. So it's definitely encouraging to see if you're an Epic holder. Uh, what do you think? Yeah, what, what we don't, uh, one point on that is we don't show up on uh, a lot of the portfolio screeners and other tools. We uh, keep contacting everybody. Uh, we got added to Blockfolio and CoinPaprika, but there's a lot of tools that people use that it just takes time to get in there. And so um, really, as we've seen, we just did an AMA earlier this morning with a 7,000 strong community called CryptoDiffer. And uh, uh, what we've noticed is that any incremental efforts that we make to raise awareness, uh, it, it adds to the network effects and people come in and whether they're mining or, or buying or even just supporting the content, much less creating new content. Um, uh, we've got translations going pretty regularly into uh, Spanish and Arabic. There's some cheap electricity markets where you can mine more cost effectively than any markets in the world um, that are ripe for, for mining awareness. Um, and then developed countries like Japan and uh, some coverage in, in China. Um, the, the community uh, model of, of uh, structuring things like Monero and like early days of Bitcoin is really starting to be, uh, to be proven out. Yeah. The exposure uh, method uh, Epic has taken to, you know, do it incrementally and not like, um, you know, pump ads and stuff into people's uh, browsers and uh, YouTube is I think a lot, a lot better. And people realize over time that this is something that's here to stay. And it's not just, you know, some scammy project that, you know, there are a lot of scams out there. So people, uh, you know, just have to do their own research and uh, they see over time who, who's legit and who's not. But well, and also uh, nobody wants to, to buy into someone else's money grab. Everybody uh, that's been in the space a while has been disillusioned by all the projects that raised enormous money and then proved, uh, proved to waste it or not deliver anything. And even if you do deliver, uh, if the market moves against you uh, by investing at the wrong time, in the cycle, you can, you can really get hurt. And so um, it's definitely a slower, uh, slower path pursuing it organically as we are. Um, in the early days, we had opportunities to go the traditional ICO or VC route of raising money, but everything's much more expensive there. I mean, when we're talking to exchanges and they say, give us uh, X huge amount, we can say, look, we're a community project. We didn't raise $5 million like the guy that just paid you a quarter million bucks for your listing. Um, and so people, uh, nobody gets excited about uh, shitcoin number 743, but we've seen people uh, generally, if you've been around in the early days of Bitcoin, and then there's kind of a second crop of people in our community who were early to Monero and did really well with that. And so uh, longer term, uh, the people that are, are really kind of the core of our community have seen this movie before in the cases of those two coins. And 
that they believe in the longer term potential of what we're doing, which we think we can be the top, uh, the first privacy coin to hit the top five. And that's because other privacy approaches that came before Mimblewimble have all these compromises and whether it's the, uh, the, the data storage, the scalability um, that, that is enabled through the compression of Mimblewimble um, or the, the fungibility that comes from the baked in privacy. Um, it's, it's rare or it's, it's, it's unprecedented really that you can deliver the benefits that we do um, without the compromises on the technical level. And I think that's because we launched five years after Monero and a good 10 years after after Bitcoin. So we get to operate with a, a low technical debt architecture. Yeah. Full disclosure for anybody that's just coming across this. I've been a part of this since uh, before it began. So I am a huge Epic advocate, but I, I try to do it. My journalistic duty as well too. So. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I really believe in Epic or I wouldn't be a part of it. Um, I, I think what, I think the private, you know, private, it really does have the ability to be the best privacy coin. And I think people are going to realize that in the long run. But why, uh, just in case, you know, somebody is coming across this for the first time, I want to ask like one, one question that, um, you know, somebody might be interested in. Why did you decide to create a privacy coin um, instead of, uh, you know, a public ledger, you know, one that people could just get into and uh, just check out whenever they wanted to? Sure. So uh, we believe privacy is for everyone. Um, just like uh, guns don't kill people, people kill people. The most widely used uh, financial technology for illicit transactions is not Bitcoin or Monero, it's the US dollar. And so uh, while privacy is kind of scary and uh, uh, controversial for some people, um, as a functional matter, if you don't have fungibility in the actual currency units, and as we've seen, uh, that, then it's limited as far as the applications of, of how that money technology as a system can serve different use cases. And so as we've seen in the transparent blockchain world, now uh, Binance Korea, or no, Binance Singapore um, gained some notoriety a few months ago as far as uh, uh, blocking a user's withdrawal because they withdraw withdrew to a, new, a known Wasabi or Samurai Mixer wallet. And so uh, a lot of times what we've seen is that the, um, the pushback uh, uh, against privacy technologies is not implemented at the legal level where it's legal in most places and uh, it, when it's fully decentralized, it's hard to press against, but it's kind of a social convention through other parts of the ecosystem, whether the exchange level or so on. And so uh, uh, we look at fungibility as one of the holy grail aspects of cryptocurrency or of Bitcoin, let's say, that's missing. Um, and, and, and just as a practical matter, um, when, you have, when you have a lack of fungibility, you enable censorship of certain coins, whether they're claimed to be hacked or stolen, or these coins did something bad before you got them. The problem of tainted coins, which has been recognized by luminaries such as Andreas Antonopoulos and, and now Charlie Lee is uh, spreading the word, um, have been known for quite some time, but there was just nothing to be done about it. And now uh, they're, they're uh, the, the dangers and, and drawbacks of a lack of fungibility are uh, are starting to be seen, and, and I think that when innocent people start to get caught up in um, uh, tainted coins, you know, you got them from somebody who got them from somebody who did something bad with them. Maybe you get a knock on your door at at four o'clock. Um, but the, 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 that stuff is a concern, but also for business applications, one underappreciated aspect is that if you are a business and you pay your employees in crypto, as a transparent crypto, as an example, um, anybody can see 
how much everybody else earns uh, from an employee perspective. If your landlord notices you get a raise, then your rent can go up. Your insurance company can see, oh, you buy too much ice cream. Let's jack the jack the rates. Um, uh, you know, competitors and uh, people that want to harm your business operations can track your supplier relationships and customer patterns. Um, we think it's crazy to uh, if you said post your credit card statement and bank balance uh, to Facebook or Twitter permanently for anyone to see we would go that's ridiculous but um that's what everybody's doing when using bitcoin let me post a permanent record of everything i've ever bought um and you know see how that ages well in 10 or 20 years so just when you have fungibility or when you have privacy as an always on thing that can't be escaped at the base layer um then all bitcoins become the same as any other and you just avoid chain analysis and all this stuff about having to track and trace um, supposedly bad bad coins that concept just doesn't doesn't exist so it enables us as an ecosystem to focus on other more uh, uh, important higher value questions than let's just apply popsicle stip, sticks and tape to you know an old system to track uh, bad actors it's just more efficient the way we do it yeah, I think that's a good explanation. And privacy is essential to freedom. I mean, you can see people around the world right now. Uh, censorable money is pretty is is a pretty hot topic. I don't. It doesn't matter what side of anything you're on. You know. What, well, wait, wait till wait till we have negative interest rates more yeah. widespread. Right. right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> how do you? So how do you let's let's go to the digital. On that too. I mean, we're we're in a in a zero reserve banking system now. I mean, it was a fractional, and most people don't even understand what that means. But it means that. The banks are, you know, they we, don't have the money that you're depositing. So. Well, well, ne neither does the FDIC behind right. it, which I think has $13 of reserves per 10,000 of coverage or some ridiculous level like that. But I mean, we're, we're all in Cyprus now. I mean, to me, the trial run back in 2011 or 13 or whenever it was when right. overnight, depending on which Cypriot bank you had your deposits in, um, over the weekend, the, the powers that be got to pull their money out at par. And then if you were an average Cypriot, you woke up on Monday morning and one, one bank, you got a 40% haircut on your money. The other got a 60%. And so uh, the, uh, we were enraged about bailouts 10-ish years ago. Now uh, people will become uh, acquainted with the concept of bail-in. And so whether it's uh, your money being printed um, as a way of stealing it, bailed in as a way of stealing it, not to mention confiscated, censored, uh, don't even get me started on direct taxation. I mean, just uh, uh, we live in a, a truly oppressive world and it's getting more so. COVID-1984 is just a boon for authoritarian powers that be and, and those who are enemies of freedom. And so uh, one of our community came up with uh, a beautiful meme the other day that I, I probably should have used as the background instead of this explorer. But it says, if you, if you want, uh, if you want to, uh, something like, um, if you don't use their money, you take away their power. And so uh, I've been resentful for a long time of the idea that simply by using um, fiat currency, I'm I'm funding death and destruction right. in a way that I don't agree with as an automatic mechanism that's built into the structure of that system. And so uh, for me, uh, what, it, what it means to be free is, is quite simple. We just have to choose to use a form of money that works for our interests rather than against us. And thankfully, that is a, a pretty low effort commitment that mainly just requires 
openness of mind to imagine how the world could be different and, and better and more, more fair um, in, a, in a peaceful, peaceful way. You know, it's a form of nonviolent protest that um, you can be quiet about and just, you know, choose to not get ripped off as much. That doesn't take a lot of, uh, uh, you know, a lot of commitment or, or learning curve. Yeah, it's, it's a bit ironic, too, because in the beginning, uh, we all thought that Bitcoin, uh, it, was, it was pretty much thought that, you know, everyone thought that Bitcoin was, it was a private blockchain. And uh, now it's really just like sort of the OGs in the crypto space that realize how important, uh, you know, I, I think a lot of the early people were more uh, economically, you know, uh, educated and stuff like that on uh, why fungibility matters and stuff. So uh, I, I think the same thing is going to happen that happened with Bitcoin, where, um, the, you know, some of these, uh, I like to think of us as like the trailblazers uh, paved the way. And then, you know, we bring in once once the utilities realized by the, the other people that are in crypto, the masses eventually um, they'll just realize like, why, why were we using a public ledger? Why this is so obvious now, you know, privacy is important um, for all the reasons you, you've explained, but why would you say that, uh, what is the upper hand that Epic has on like the other privacy coins, Zcash, Monero, stuff like sure. that? Sure, sure. So um, uh, Zcash is optionally private and the, uh, the, the computational requirements to prove or generate a Zcash transaction are, are pretty hefty. So that limits uh, the range of devices that you can run on. Um, Epic is so, so lightweight and fast that um, it'll be that later this year when we, when we roll it out, it'll be the first uh, coin that is proof of work mineable on a cell phone. Um, and even, even today, uh, the, light, the blockchain is only 1.16 gigs or 1.17, I think it is. Um, and it grows uh, about 10 times less slow or less quickly than Bitcoin and about 20 times less slowly than Monero. And so to be able to truly secure your money on a mobile device and not have to rely on anyone else, whether it's a lightning network or a light wallet that, you know, you're not running a node, um, a 250 gigabyte blockchain in the case of, of Bitcoin or dramatically more than that in the case of, of Monero um, is, is a non-starter on uh, especially mobile. And so I think that's the, one of the big opportunities for us. Uh, first, the mobile wallet. Uh, we have an existing one from uh, an exchange called Vitex that works, but then our native mobile wallet is coming um, integrating that into Telegram so it becomes even easier to use is another thing on, on the roadmap. But I think the, the big prize is really mobile mining because uh, the existing resentment that is, uh, is exploding over the money printer going burr, well, if you got some of that money, then it's not as big of a problem. You know, we get little scraps and the billionaires get, uh, get, get the big money and there's nothing you can really do about it. But when you can plug in your cell phone at night while it's, uh, while it's charging or even plug in some old cell phones, just like what we're seeing in this, in the CPU, uh, arena where people are putting old laptops to work and old server hardware or underutilized hardware, um, enabling an unprecedented number of people to gain in, uh, in the inflation that is there in the system uh, within Epic, certainly in the early years, it's a chance to turn back the clock um, and get involved in an early stage that we don't have anymore in, in Bitcoin because you need the expensive hardware and uh, uh, specialized expertise, whereas this is truly open, open to anyone. And so uh, Zcash and Monero are, are great projects. 
Um, but with Zcash, uh, it's optionally private and has trusted setup, which are significant issues. And in the case of Monero, it's mainly about scalability because the, the way the ring signatures work is very data storage intensive. And that doesn't really go away. The, the primary way that Epic achieves such, uh, such a lightweight blockchain is that the intermediate transaction data that is, doesn't need to be stored forever in the blockchain. Every transaction in a block is netted out with all the other transactions and just a tiny uh, kernel, or you can think of it like a, a stamp that proves that a transaction happened just between you and the, the, the person that received the money. No one else can, can tell from that, that stamp or kernel what, uh, what happened, but you can. Um, so it's, it's, it preserves the, um, the security and other properties of proof of work in a way that doesn't, uh, uh, um, doesn't have the same scaling problems. And that's something that will take a while to play out, but the, the wind is definitely in our sails um, uh, on a technical level as well as a macroeconomic level. Yeah, what you, what you just described for the people that don't know is the Mimblewimble protocol, right? Yeah. So, well, just so people, if they're, if they're like, well, I want to read more on that, I mean, you can go read the white paper at epic.tech, but uh, the Mimblewimble protocol is why, I mean, I think that's the future. I've written about this a lot too, is that the, like what you said is that what the major advantage is that people talk about how secure Bitcoin's network is now because it has, well, second to, I, I think Ethereum has more nodes actually than Bitcoin, but um, you know, everyone says Bitcoin is the most secure network. Uh, you can have that argument, whatever. But uh, over time, Bitcoin got this huge head start. I think we are going to see an Epic cash on, on these other Mimblewimble blockchains. Uh, take some of that market share because that people are going to realize that, you know, you can, you want to take your phone in your pocket and uh, you can be verifying all the transactions, your transactions and every, you know, everybody else's uh, as you go along. Right. So is that's like the mate, that's one of the major uh, advantages in my opinion um, uh, where Bitcoin, you, you can't do that. I mean, there are phones where you can, you can put uh, that 250 gigabytes in your pocket, but uh it's just not as, um, it's not as, you know, people don't want to do that. Uh, it, it, it takes up a lot of space. And that, as you talked about that, that ledger is only growing exponentially. It seems like. Uh, well, and even if it's, even if it's uh, technologically possible, right. um, why would, why would anybody do it? And it also limits the, um, uh, the amount of people that can participate. Um, uh, I hope and believe that, because of the way that Epic works with um, ASIC and graphic card and desktop or laptop CPUs not competing with something low power like an ARM based um, cell phone or tablet CPU, um, it just enables spreading the, the block rewards in a more targeted way that's more flexible over time. And just as we saw with a network called Electronium that did kind of a fake mobile mining back in the last boom, I think they got 23 million app downloads or some crazy number like that. Um, and then there's other, uh, other networks that have uh, uh, done CPU-based mining that have achieved a, a really wide decentralization at the node level. Um, and so I think that's um, something that's very important fundamentally for the resilience and health and security and ultimately value of the blockchain because we're getting into a battle where the stakes are really high uh, 
Bitcoin almost uh, went to the stratosphere on the last run. And whether we see 50 or 100,000 or a million, um, it's clear it's going to be a lot higher than today. And so the existing powers that be that do control, <clears throat> excuse me, control all the resources, they're going to have very powerful weapons at their disposal, whether it's blacklisting coins, censoring addresses, saying what you can and can't do with your uh, blockchain-based money. Um, and then also the fact that mining is very geographically and Con, uh, and hardware concentrated uh, with the well-known risks that Bitcoin has. And we just don't have those those issues. So I think as censorship resistance becomes uh, a more um, widespread and acknowledged and understood problem, it's also an opportunity for us. And, and we're happy that the, the technology solution to the technology problems that are starting to um, become more apparent, there's already, there, there's already an answer here. And when people, when people become aware of it, if it's not something brand new, if it's a network that in our case now has already been around for the better part of a year, which is a lifetime in crypto terms, you know, a couple of years down the road, that issue of, of uh, uh, you know, perceived lack of security uh, because something is new goes away over time and makes it easier for people to, uh, to, to use this as a store of value that they're comfortable with. Yeah. Another uh, thing that we haven't even talked about is the uh, fees. I mean, fees on the Bitcoin blockchain are oh. up. I mean, we're only at $10,000 mm-hmm. now down to 9,300 today, but uh, the fees have, uh, you know, I, I, I deal with a lot of people around the world in crypto and we send money around and I've had people in the last few weeks say, Hey, I don't want to send Bitcoin or can we yeah. do else. So um, that's, that's another advantage of having a Mimblewimble protocol or, you know, using that with Epic is that, you know, it's a lighter weight blockchains and the, and the blocks aren't full. So you can send money around the world cheaply. And um, why would you, why would you pay high fees when you don't have to? I mean, it just, I mean, it, it's not economical for anyone. So, well, in a one megabyte block, which is the same as Bitcoin, we have a cadence of one minute rather than 10 in Bitcoin. And uh, the current capacity of the system is right around a thousand transactions per minute, not per second. So Bitcoin is about five and a half and we're closer to closer to 20. Um, and so that's actually one of the things that uh, that we have on our forthcoming development roadmap is scale uh, is research into the pros and cons of different scalability options that are there as the network grows you know uh, there's nothing special about a one megabyte block size that can be increased for linear increases in capacity and then because we support schnorr signatures um, and stuff like atomic swaps there's potential for layer two um, uh, connections using other blockchains like ethereum uh, we can create a liquidity bridge to for example uh, ethereum tron um, algorand any of those other smart contract platforms and then in essence, create um, a, a tokenized representation of an epic where um, if there's sufficient demand, what we can do, just like wrap Bitcoin and wrapped Ethereum to make epic usable for the exploding uh, decentralized finance or DeFi community, um, wrap up, it would go something like this, wrap up one epic on, uh, on Ethereum, lock it into a smart contract, and then you get an epic token that's tradable on ERC-20 or TRC-20 or, you know, whatever other network um, as a way of establishing Epic has a more and more useful form of money that can uh, can be utilized in, in more places. And so uh, there's a variety of scaling options that we hope we can stay ahead of, uh, of, of growth. And just at a fundamental level with, uh, uh, w- with less data needing to be stored on the blockchain and not having to, uh, to have it 
endlessly validated from the genesis of any coin to the today, it's a fundamentally um, more efficient structure um, than what we find in existing proof of work systems. So what do you, uh, what do you think, why is it, is it, so it's possible, how hard is it to change the size, the block size? Uh, if you wanted to oh, increase it, you trivial. can work it, right? Trivial, yeah. yeah. So, so yeah, we, we, we're fortunate to have so reluctant uh, to do that. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, um, it, there, there are definitely, definitely trade-offs, right? I mean, you, you change the block size, you change the amount of data that storage that's required, the hardware that can run on, um, as the ecosystem gets more complex, whether for us or any other network, you know, people have inertial issues and it just becomes more complicated to change. We're very fortunate to be built on a really solid infrastructure from the Grin project that, um, uh, it launched a little, little more, uh, what was it? Better part of a year before us. And so, uh, we focus more on usability and, uh, the marketplace adoption and the go to go to market consideration and they're more about the hardcore architectural research, research and we continue to benefit from their innovations. Um, so we're, we're pretty fortunate to have a really talented group of people that are independently pursuing the evolution of their vision for a Mimblewimble-based money system in a complementary way to what we're doing. Also, uh, the Epic Cash, uh, you want to just talk real quick about the emissions model. I, there's like seven and a half million coins almost now that have been minted. Uh, yeah. And yeah. So, five, so lo Go ahead. yeah, long-term, um, let me actually just pull up the supply curve. Cause that's pretty, that's pretty key. Give me one second here. All right, here we go. Oh, you got to enable screen sharing. Oh, all right. Well, to, uh, where the hell is that at? Where's that at? I'm gonna have to edit this part. I don't. I don't know. But uh, <laughs> hold on. Let me just. Let me add add something here. Shit. All right. Here we go. Okay. Oh, you got it. All right. All right. Yeah, let me expand <laughs> it here. Technology. <laughs> it's a beautiful thing. Yeah, we gotta stop meeting like this. Um, <laughs> All right, so basically long-term, um, the, the one in white is the Bitcoin emission that starts in 2009. Um, the singularity is at 2028. And so we just had the Bitcoin having, there's two more in 2024 and 2028. When, uh, uh, when we have a singularity, which um, will happen probably in, in around May of 2028 is when it's targeted for. The uh, emission of EPIC started at 16 per block and in about two weeks it goes down to eight and then it goes to four and then it goes to two and to one and then 0.15625. And so uh, with that, that steady decrease in emission, we kind of uh, gradually slide into the same long-term 21 million supply limit in a way that reflects the fact that 
by the time we get there, the first 19 years of Bitcoin will have been represented in the first uh, um, 11 years of, uh, or nine years rather, of Epic. Um, so as you can see, we're, we're a, little bit, uh, uh, a little bit steeper in the beginning, but then we gently catch up. Um, and so that should also be positive for the store of value properties because it is that, uh, that disinflationary pressure of people knowing not only what the supply is going to be and what the inflation rate is, but also they can be completely confident that that um, emission policy is going to be adhered to in the future as a core element of why the system exists um, to, to serve a function. Um, and also uh, the fact that it preserves the incentives for people in these early days to come in and secure the network by mining. So if it, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And that's why um, we think that the, the, the choice to follow the Bitcoin standard tokenomics is really the, the, the obvious choice, at least for us as a, as something, a network that's trying only to be a, a currency and solve the issues that, um, that, that Bitcoin has, which it's pretty much perfect. It just needs a few little things. And thankfully that's why Mimblewimble exists. I think the majority of people that are big into economics and crypto uh, the first, one of the first things they look at is uh, the tokenomics of the project. Are there half a trillion coins or, you know, how many coins are in existence or will be minted? Is it inflationary uh, till you know, infinity or whatever? Uh, is this, you know, that's a good way to get, and then you look at team and stuff, but that's a good way to, um, to get an idea about a project and what they're all about. I mean, if you want to. Well, is it, is it a money grab? I right. mean, if, if there's a fat pre-mine, then you got to worry about, okay, well, those people that got the cheap or free coins ahead of when I did, they're going to dump on me as the value goes up. Um, uh, there's no there's no rich list in Epic and there was no pre-mine and no Instamine. We had a fair launch where there were uh, just tons of people. The hash rate was enormous um, right around when, when we launched. Um, and so just, uh, I, th I think we've seen over time that uh, a a disinflationary some people think of it as deflationary although they're two different things model in an inflationary fiat world really works i mean uh grin is trying to do something different with a fixed inflation of 60 60 coins uh per per block and that stays uh, stays fixed and so technically in uh in 100 years the inflation will be uh, 1% after 50 it's 2% i think if i have the math right um and maybe that'll be better in that time but i'll probably be dead and uh people you know that's that's like 17 lifetimes in in crypto and and even monero with the tail the tail emission maybe it's better to not have to rely on fees but we're not gonna know that for a while and what do we do until then and then other uh the other option of course um in in uh, the other options in privacy uh, you mentioned uh zcash well, they have a big development tax and they raise the vc funding and they have the electric coin company as a for-profit venture in the picture with a lot of overhead um and so uh with the development funding being paid by a modest uh, currently 7.7% and decreasing 1.1% every year until it goes away permanently. It strikes the right balance between alignment of incentives for the necessary little bit of centralization that's there with that um, th that funding contribution that's levied on miners, but everybody knows that it's uh, it's it's much less than existing projects. Beam is also at at twenty percent, um, and more importantly, aligns the incentives of people uh, over different timeframes. So hopefully, that'll be more sustainable than a pure donation model like Grin or Monero have, or um, a for-profit um, 
you know, really kind of punitive um, level that other projects have that are taking a bigger bite because they're structured differently. Yeah, we might be gone in the flesh, but I've been doing a lot of research lately on AI and stuff. We might be able to be in a robot body or something by then. Who knows? Singularity is near. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. All right, to wrap up here, uh, uh, do you want to talk about anything else on the uh, up-and-coming roadmap here in the next few months or uh, sure, sure, anything like that? Yeah, yeah. So um, there's there's four tracks. We're going to publish a, a formal development roadmap here pretty soon, but there's basically four tracks. There's uh, core core platform architecture, there's usability, and there's mining, um, and then there's, let's call it enhancing the value proposition. And so within within usability, um, the, the first thing, the couple of things on the agenda are uh, a native mobile app, um, uh, and then connecting that to Telegram, also a new GUI wallet, that uh, will incorporate everybody's wish list uh, or most people's wish list of, of features, you know, stuff that uh, we can tweak and enhance on the same basic, uh, b- basic uh, framework that we have. Um, then on, on core platform architecture, uh, right now, Mimblewimble transactions are interactive, which means you have to open ports or you have to use a third party service like Ngrok. But with the forthcoming version three of our node software that's coming out, it'll support sending by Tor natively. So you won't have to open the ports anymore. And usability takes a step forward as as well as privacy benefits of running on Tor versus um, HTTPS. So that's a win. Um, But then uh, in terms of of research for the longer term, um, there's somebody uh, that recently showed how to do non-interactive transactions on our uh, on our structure that'll enable sending to an ordinary address in a fire and forget way like we're used to with uh, with Bitcoin as an example. So that's something that's also on the on the drawing board for core uh, core platform um, architecture. And uh, as I said, we continue to to benefit from the ongoing development over at Grin. So as they evolve stuff, we can keep pulling that in. Um, and then in uh, enhancing the value proposition. Um, some of those DeFi connections through uh, if there's sufficient demand to build it, it's technically pretty easy. The liquidity bridge to uh, have wrapped Epic trade on other other platforms like Ethereum um, could be could be really interesting. That would also open up Uniswap um, and Kyber and those other uh, types of services as easier ways for people to to buy it and trade it. And then long term, I think the, everybody agrees that there's a tremendous amount of potential in mobile mining just because it's it's wide open uh, territory. Uh, proof of work is not just a network security strategy, but it's also a coin distribution strategy to get those network effects going. How many people would sign up for free Bitcoin on their cell phones every day in exchange for just <laughs> downloading an app that doesn't use a lot of uh, battery or data when it's you know plugged in on Wi-Fi at night anyway? Um, that's uh, fairly obvious uh, that people will want that. And it's uh, eminently possible um, in the not too distant future based on the the solid foundation that we've we've established. So things have been pretty quiet um, in terms of what we've promised publicly thus far, because we had a lot of other building blocks to put in place. Um, And everybody's tired of hearing about vaporware and announcements about coming announcements and uh, jaded that uh, promises aren't worth a lot, especially here. And so instead of talking about what we plan to do, we've 
prove or we've chosen to mainly talk about what is already done so that people don't have to uh to have a great deal of faith or belief or or trust in anyone it's just here you know like bitcoin which launched pretty much fully formed when we launched it was here's here's the description of the system through this uh white paper that's in in 30 languages by the way if people want to read that um but also the system exists and you can use it right now so uh we're gonna go a little bit away from that in terms of describing the future but be always very careful not to promise too much too fast um because it would be easy for speculation to get out of hand and then you you know people are disappointed that you didn't uh 10x again you know next week and it, it the the fast buck chasers um are uh, oftentimes a distraction and during crypto winners that's the time to build and that's that's what we did Absolutely. People don't want empty promises. They want, uh, you know, a product that works. So uh, I think, I think this incremental move and then not prom over promising is a way to go. I appreciate you coming on today. You and I are going to have a lot of these talks into the future here, but uh, I'm glad that you guys had the time to come on today and uh, update everybody with what's going on. Any final parting shots? No, nope. always glad to be here. Thanks again, RL. Absolutely. Uh, this is Mr. Max Freeman. I'll uh, say a proper goodbye in one moment here.